The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, so today I think I'd like to finish up the topic we've been talking, I think, for six weeks or so about the topic of loving-kindness and exploring the practice of loving-kindness, maybe even longer. I don't know how long it's been. It's been a while. Um, so today I'd like to finish this topic and move on. Next week I'll talk about mindfulness. Um, so um, today I, what I'd like to talk about are these two pieces that I introduced in the guided meditation, the aspect of forgiveness practice, which I introduced a few weeks ago, um, but didn't have a lot of time to talk about it. And then the aspect of um, extending this well-wishing to all beings everywhere. So the first piece I want to um, say is that these practices, as you notice, you know, we're using thought in these practices. And um, they're what I would call reflective practices, So what we do with reflective practices is we allow thoughts to come into our mind and then notice how those thoughts impact us. So we can do this in different ways. One way is by just allowing um, thoughts to come into our mind randomly and then noticing how they're impacting us. And this is a way that we can begin to extend our mindfulness into our daily life around thinking, that we notice the thoughts that are coming in and then recognize, okay, how does that make me feel to have that thought? Now, some of the thoughts that come unbidden don't make us feel very good. Some of, us make, some of them make us feel really good. But if we are um, not being aware of how thoughts impact us, we may just end up getting lost in thought. And so these practices uh, of forgiveness, of loving kindness, of the other, um, the, the, uh, these other kinds of practices to cultivate these wholesome qualities, use thought... And in this case, they're using conscious thought. So we're actively, consciously using wholesome thoughts of forgiveness, of well-wishing. And then just noticing, how does it impact me to think those thoughts? To not try to construct the feeling of the wish. So, for instance, in the wishing of forgiveness... It may be that we're, we're thinking, okay, so I forgive you. You know, we, we make that wish. May I forgive you? And then we don't feel forgiveness and feel like, well, that's not right. I'm not, I must not be doing it right, or I need to make myself feel forgiveness somehow. And that's not what this is about. It really is about noticing how these thoughts land for us. If what we notice is that those thoughts make us feel tight or confused or contracted, that's what we work with. We recognize, okay, this is, this is, I've talked about the meta-magnet. Well, there's a forgiveness magnet too, you know, the, the, um, the notion that this practice of saying the wishes of kindness uh, or of forgiveness is like running the magnet of forgiveness over your heart or the magnet of loving kindness over your heart. And a magnet pulls its opposite to it. So we may find in expressing these wishes of forgiveness, of kindness, that the very opposite comes up into our hearts. This is not a mistake. It's not, an, it's not um, wrong. It's actually part of how this practice works, to make conscious the things that block us from feeling these things. And so we use these thoughts actively to begin to see what is in the way of feeling these things? What's in the way of forgiveness? What's in the way of feeling kindness? And having those things come into the surface of our consciousness gives us a chance to begin to release them. If they're not conscious, there's no way they're going to be released. They're going to be underground, kind of making decisions, making choices for us, deciding how we act, expressing frustration, anger, resentment for us if they're not conscious. When they become conscious, we have a choice. We begin to be able to uh, recognize, okay, yeah, when I try to forgive, I feel that pain in my heart. Maybe being able to feel that pain will be the way that we can not just act out of all of those hidden feelings that are contributing to that pain, but instead perhaps be a little more careful in our interactions because it's conscious for us. 
yeah, this is still hard for me. So the, um, the, one of the teachings I like to express um, that reflective practice is maybe based in this kind of teaching. The Buddha said, whatever we frequently think and ponder, that becomes the inclination of our minds. If we frequently ponder thoughts of anger, frustration, irritation, desire, pride, those thoughts in condition those feelings. If we frequently think thoughts of goodwill, of kindness, of forgiveness, those thoughts begin to condition those feelings. So it's not about constructing in the moment the feeling. It really is about expressing the wish, seeing what's happening, and beginning to see what might be in the way. But to also in that expressing the wish, coming back and touching in in the area of the heart, noticing how has it impacted me to make that wish, we might begin to also notice not only the things that are in the way, but little glimmers of the feelings of forgiveness, of kindness, of caring. So we may begin to notice actually the feelings. And this is, these little glimmers, unless we're actively attending, we may not even notice that, that those qualities are, are growing unless we actively connect and notice, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of a, a feeling of release. You know, maybe it doesn't feel like full-on forgiveness, but there's a little bit of feeling of the heart letting go a little bit. That's in the direction of forgiveness, of metta. So the forgiveness practice, there's just to articulate what we went through in the guided meditation, has three aspects to it. It's got the aspect of forgiving others for harming us. No, that's the third one. Forgiving, um, our, asking for forgiveness from others who we have harmed. That's usually the easiest place to begin. Because when we've done something to cause harm and we know we've caused harm, we do wish for forgiveness. We wish that somebody would say, it's okay that that happened. I forgive you. So that's often the easiest place to begin. And so as with the loving-kindness practice, where we begin where it's easiest, also in the forgiveness practice, we begin where it's easiest. And usually it's most easy to begin forgiving asking for forgiveness from others. The second one, it may be, may be kind of um, depends on you whether the second one or the third one is easier for you. Whether it's easier for you to forgive yourself for things you've done to harm yourself or to ask uh, other, or to offer forgiveness to others who've harmed you. So exploring, you may have noticed a little bit in the guided meditation, which of those was easier for you. Whichever one is easiest, that's the one to do next. <laughs> Start where it's easiest and then, um, and then move to the third one. So the three are uh, asking forgiveness for ways that you have harmed others, forgiving yourself for ways that you've harmed yourself, and asking, um, offering forgiveness for others who have harmed you. And each time, again, I took you through the guided meditation of allowing yourself to feel the feelings that came up as you remembered each of these scenarios. There's nothing that's out of bounds in meditation. In fact, the more that we can connect with and feel with mindfulness, those feelings of resentment, of hostility, or frustration, of regret, of sadness, of sorrow, the more that we can allow those feelings in mindfulness. It's like the mindfulness is a balm that allows, you know, it's like if you've got a really tight knot um, and you add a little bit of lubricant to that, it makes it easier for the knot to come undone. Kind of like the mindfulness is that lubricant that helps, allows the knot to unwind. It's not that we're trying to force it to unwind, but adding that, the mindfulness of, yeah, this is, this is what's happening. I feel sadness or sorrow or regret about this incident. The mindfulness will support the, uh, the allowing 
the allowing of that, to not push away the fact that we feel these things, is a great gift to ourselves. If someone could sit with you and say, you're okay, you're actually okay just the way you are. This is what we all, you know, kind of um, hope for in a way. You know, we all wish for that. Um, And we can do that for ourselves. We can do that for ourselves. And acknowledge, in that acknowledging of ways that we've harmed others, acknowledge, yeah, I have done some unskillful things. You know, to not be deluded. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Everything I do is great. This isn't about delusion. It's about really clearly seeing and recognizing, yeah, there are things that I do that cause harm. And in that recognition, to feel the feelings. There's, there's a couple of feelings that are, that are in there that we, we often think of as negative emotions. The f- feelings of... Well, I'll give you the poly for them. They're, they're called hiri and otapa. The first one's spelled H-I-R-I. The second O-T-T-A-P-P-A. I think it's got two P's. And these are wholesome emotions that express what might be called conscience and concern. That we have a sense of conscience when we've done something wrong. You know, we have a sense that there's a little bit of a sense of that wasn't so good. You know, that that sense of conscience that we have. And the concern for others that, you know, may I not do something that would cause harm? So the, the, those, the first one, so there's the two aspects. There's the, the one aspect of the, um, the conscience is the first one, hiri, um, is the aspect of knowing that you have done something harmful and the feelings around that that you wish to somehow make reparation. So that's the, the conscience. And then the second, otapa, is the concern about not acting in ways. So the sense that maybe I might act in ways that would cause harm. And there's a little bit of a sense of concern. May I not do that? May I not act in ways that would cause that harm? So these two qualities are very wholesome qualities. And sometimes they feel a little bit like... They're, they're, like conscience is very close to... Uh, self-recrimination, you know, it, there's, there can be flavors of that, you know, that sense of, I did bad, I did that wrong, I'm a bad person for doing that. So that is not what I'm talking about here. It's more that sense of, that was not a good thing, you know, I, I wish I hadn't done that, and I hope to do better. That's more the quality of that conscience. But it's very close. It can easily kind of skew off into the quality of... Um, uh, self-recrimination Reg- uh, regret I mean regret regret can actually be pretty pretty pure what's, a, what's the word um, there's another word that guilt <laughs> guilt we feel guilty we're beating holding that guilt you know, so that, that there's, you know it's a shading between those two and so if you feel guilt you know, let yourself, you know, to not have a, a feeling of recrim- self-recrimination about that, but seeing, can you see the conscience in that? You know, there's often mixed qualities in these difficult emotions. So begin to recognize, yeah, there's that guilt, some of which feels like I'm beating myself up, but some of it also has that sense of, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could do better. The, the tone of way you speak to yourself can be a clue. It's like, you know, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, there's that kind of tone in how we might speak to ourselves. Or, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. So that, that, that tone of our voice can help us to tease apart the different aspects of the feelings that come in, noticing the, the parts that are not so helpful for us. Self-flagellation is not helpful. Self-hatred is not helpful. It comes. And I have spent a lot of time working with self-hatred. So it's, you know, not something to push away either. Um, 
not something to recriminate yourself about. It's, it's what has happened. Our, our lives have created us in how we've lived them, how people have talked to us, how our parents have treated us. It's perfectly normal and natural that we have the experiences we have in the moment because we've been conditioned in this way. So to begin to be conscious of this, to begin to be uh, bringing awareness to all of the feelings that we have. And we begin, in through that awareness, to begin to recognize, tease apart the, the wholesome from the unwholesome. Um, so that's a little bit about forgiveness. Um, are there any comments or questions about that before I talk a little bit about the um, metta for all beings? How was it for you to do the forgiveness practice? Great. Wait for the mic. I found it very moving (coughs) because uh, I was able to address specific things and uh, connect. And was there a little... Was there any sense of release at all around oh, it? Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So you sense that possibility of releasing. Mm-hmm. And, and know that it's a process that, um, you know, sometimes it can feel like, oh, I felt that releasing. I remember at one point I had a huge sense of uh, forgiveness around this um, uh, self-hatred that I was experiencing you know, a huge sense around a relationship of forgiveness around the relationship and compassion for a person um, that had contributed to my feeling of self-hatred and um, you know, so there's this huge sense of release around it and the next day I was shocked when the feelings of self-hatred came back <laughs> so it is, it is a process you know, so, you know, recognizing the possibility of the release that happens and that it does, you know, I found that this process of working with self-hatred in particular was, a, you know, was a slow process, you know. It's kind of like we work with it a little bit at a time. We work with forgiveness a little bit at a time. We feel a little bit of release, a little bit of release. And over time, uh, we begin to, to see the, the depth of the possibility of forgiveness. And, you know, over time, I found myself really deeply able to forgive people who had really seriously harmed me. Um, Completely, utterly, totally forgive them. Not forgiving the action. You know, not saying, oh yeah, do that to me again. But to forgive the person and to let go of the, the holding around it. So I'm happy that you felt some, some of that uh, possibility of the releasing. Yeah. And Joel... So uh, I actually spent a lot of time, actually years back, listening to a particular, it was a tape, and I was listening to it this morning, matter of fact, still have a little boom box with a tape thing, and Stephen Levine, Stephen Andre Levine, they do, a, they do a really good, Stephen usually narrates it, a really good classic forgiveness mm-hmm. practice. It's uh-huh. kind of similar, I think maybe Jack and you, and I mean, it's very similar. He actually starts off with the... Uh, forgiving others, interestingly enough. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then asking for forgiveness and forgiving yourself. Um, I haven't been doing it that much, and I notice little things happening in my life, like one thing where someone... I was in a short-term relationship. This person returned something after about a year. They found it. And it, was, it was an important thing, a nice thing that I'm, I'm glad they did. And I haven't really even acknowledged it, like in an email or anything. And I really, wonder what that's about. That's interesting. Uh-huh. And, and I assume I still have some resentment, but one of these days I'll get around to it. It's, just, it's not a big charge, but I noticed I haven't really responded. It's been uh-huh. over a month. Uh-huh. So, um, and then also I have things from my family where there's, there's some real anger and stuff to, to deal with. And Families are huge. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's happening like, you know, today type stuff. And yeah. it has to do with yeah. my mother passing on and Things do with property and stuff, and, and uh, yeah, and it's um, might be a good to practice practice this, but also I, I know that there's you know 
there's there's anger there, and, and I've got to deal work with that too because yeah. I know there's there's frustration about certain things. So that's that's active in the present. But it's good to kind of touch base with this, and I've got the the tape. I can play it any time. It's right out in my room right now. I'm going, hmm, might be a good idea. <laughs> Remember Andrea's practice and then listen to Stephen, and, and uh-huh. this might be helpful. So last week, I think you mentioned something after the session, and I, I, um, I want to offer it to the group because I think in the forgiveness, this, will also, this also potentially might be an interesting exploration. It also might be helpful in terms of um, interacting with people, um, how to bring the qualities of kindness, com- care, compassion into our interactions. You know, it's hard. It's hard in the midst of things that are happening right now, like the family things. You know, you go and see your, your brothers and sisters, and, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, these people, they know how to push those buttons, you know. In fact, they probably made those buttons. <laughs> So, so, so it's like this is a family of origin. Somebody said calls this the foo. You know the foo uh, relationships, family of origin. F O O. The foo relationships are the most difficult for us. And when we're right in the midst of uh, a difficult interaction, it's really hard to remember these qualities. It's hard to remember to be kind. It's hard to remember, yeah, forgiveness is something that I want to incline towards. So a couple of things to do. One um, is, so there's, there's two ways. One is to reflect on, so it's again, using reflective practice, using um, the power of bringing thoughts into your mind and noticing what happens, um, both for things that have happened and for scenarios where you uh, know that you're going to move into an interaction. So first, that first one. So an interaction has happened. You've gotten together with your family and had all of these things happen, and it's like, okay, yes, I, I got triggered there. How, you know, how, what happened there? And there's the triggering. There's the, the, all the feelings that come up, and often it's very difficult to be able to be with those feelings in real time. You know, when we're actually having the conversation, it's, things are happening fast. It's hard to be with all that stuff in real time. And so a way to begin to explore this is to allow yourself to bring into your mind later. Sometime when you're at home by yourself or in a place where you can do a little bit of quiet contemplation, allow the thought of that situation to come into your mind for just a few moments. Remember the discussion, the arguments, the feelings. Just allow yourself to, to, to reimagine the situation for maybe 30 seconds at most, I'd say. And then, because thoughts impact us, you will notice probably that the emotions are right here, right now, in the midst of this quiet cont- contemplation reflection. So at that point, you know, let go. Spend just a few moments... 15, 30 seconds, re-envisioning the situation and then let go of the image of the situation and feel the feelings. Feel the resentment, feel the frustration, feel the hostility, feel all of that and then see if you can then incline towards, I mean, allow yourself to feel all of that. First of all, that will be helpful to just be able to feel the feelings by yourself envisioning the situation and feeling the feelings while you're sitting alone. That, that very being able to get familiar with these difficult feelings quietly on our own begins to help us to be able to make the leap to doing it with other people, to doing it in real time. It's a slow process. It is a slow process. But this, it can help. This can, can be helpful to, to, uh, to begin to do that. And then um, you might envision for yourself or just take some time after feeling those feelings to do this forgiveness practice, to ask for forgiveness for ways in which you acted or spoke that harmed others, to, um, to forgive yourself for ways that you harmed yourself, to uh, offer forgiveness to others for how they harmed you. So just you, you play with that forgiveness practice a little bit in that moment after you've gone through those feelings. So that's exploring situations from the past. And then 
You can also envision, it's kind of like, um, this is what Joel reminded me about last week, it's kind of like the, um, the way athletes envision. You know, when I was a dancer, actually, I, it was a practice to envision that triple pirouette, you know, to, to envision my body doing that, to, to take it, to, to, to put myself, to feel, but sitting still, but to feel how it might feel to do that perfectly. That, that can support our ability to engage in that way. And I, I found it was helpful, you know, to, to do that. And, you know, it's, it's a well-known technique. You know, golfers practicing their golf swing in their mind. Or I think Joel used the example of Olympians envisioning winning the gold medal. Um, so we can envision ourselves engaging in ways that are skillful. So we can do this with our, um, our mindfulness as well and our loving kindness. So we could, knowing we're going into a situation, knowing that we're going into a charged situation with family, sit down before you go into that situation. Take some time to yourself and then envision yourself being the best you in that situation. You might see... um, you know, somebody saying something and then you receiving it, feeling that and knowing, hearing where the suffering is coming from. Knowing that there's suffering behind that thing that is impacting. You know, what that person said, there's suffering in them that's creating that action. And your, your best you able to feel that compassion for that suffering and to not be um, agitated or Uh, lashing out as a response. So to kind of envision the possibility of you engaging in the world with kindness, with compassion, with forgiveness. So that's another way to play with this and kind of, and then see how it impacts you over time. You know, again, it's probably not going to like, you know, it wasn't the first time that it worked that I did a triple pirouette, you know. (laughs) But, um, you know, just, it can begin to incline our minds in that direction to envision ourselves engaging in that way. Another way to play with this, um, I'll just tell you this guided meditation Jack did with, with my teacher training group. And he does, he does this guided meditation quite a bit. It might be on a tape somewhere. Um, so I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Um, I'll see if I can find the, the guided um, I just want to add one more thing, which Stephen, I did check on for his website. They're, Is it on the website? He, yeah, they do have a forgiveness. They do have a loving kindness. Um, they're not out in the world. They're, they've had some health issues. They're pretty elderly now, yeah. he and his wife. But they're still doing it from, they live in New Mexico, and I think they still have things available. Um, and it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E, if people are interested. Okay, great, thanks. So this... Um Guided meditation that Jack does is to start by envisioning a conflicted situation. You maybe kind of follow along while I just describe it. We won't do it as a guided meditation because we don't quite have time to do it as a guided meditation. But envisioning yourself in a conflicted situation and really feeling into that situation, you know, knowing uh, you know, the struggle that you have with this conflicted situation. Um, Allowing yourself to envision the, the scenario, the situation, the person, the expression on their face, the feelings inside of you that are conflicted around this. And then you're, you're someplace where either, you know, you, you hear the doorbell ring or, you know, you see somebody coming in the distance and you know it's somebody coming to see you. And so you, you, you put this conflict on hold for a little while. You say, just hang on just a second. Um, I'm going to go check in with this person. And then you go open the door, you go up to, to meet that person who's coming to you. And it is a benefactor for you. It is somebody very wise. Whoever is the most wise being you can envision. And that person recognizes and holds you with compassion in that moment. It's like, you having a hard day? Okay. I'm sorry you're having a hard day. And um, 
And then they offer to give you the use of their body to allow you to see a new way to navigate the situation. So you kind of, they essentially, they essentially, you kind of like you're sitting on their shoulder, you know, and they go into the situation and demonstrate for you a different way of engaging in that situation. And then the ending of that is the you 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 leave the situation again and go back, um, kind of to say goodbye to this being that has helped you, and they offer you a gift of some kind to help you remember this wisdom that they've given you. And then they leave. So this this kind of reflection also kind of begins to allow you to see this wisdom that. And when I did this, it was, quite, it was quite amazing to me, you know. There is wisdom inside of us. I mean, it's, it's, it's like we can't own our own wisdom sometimes, and we have to borrow it. We envision somebody that is really wise, and we can see how they might interact. We can see that. And that's actually our own wisdom. The, the being able to see how somebody else might do something is our own wisdom, and we can begin to own that. So that's another kind of uh, exploration um, to play with around working with difficulty and seeing ways to transform that difficulty. And I'll see if I can find this. I'm sure it's, it's uh, on some tape somewhere <laughs> that, that Jack has, has done. That's, I learned that from Jack. Yeah. And Jack Cornfield. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jack Cornfield. Sorry, when I say, yeah, Jack is kind of present in my life. (laughs) Field. K-O-R-N-F-I-E-L-D. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, K-O-R-N-F-I-E-L-D. Yeah. So any other questions about the forgiveness or, yeah. Where's the mics? There's Uh, I um, I found um, when you asked is, is it on? Is it? Okay. It is. Okay. Yeah. When you asked um, that we forgive ourselves, I kind of drew a blank with that. Mm. <laughs> um, In terms of ways that you've harmed yourself, or the ability to forgive yourself? No, coming up with anything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and I'm sure it's <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty there. Um, but no, nothing came to mind. And so that's interesting in itself to notice, you know, that, that it was kind of hard to, to do that. I mean, sometimes it is. Um, I also started, and it's like, I know there was something that happened recently that I regretted, and it took me a while to, to bring it into mind, but then I did, I, I did remember it. So, um, you know, sometimes when we get into the space of remembering something, like for myself too, um, when I'm doing metta for all beings, you know, initially it's kind of hard to bring beings into my mind, but then it's like my mind opens a door and goes into that doorway, and it's like all these beings keep popping into my mind. It's kind of similar that we go into a doorway of a room where, oh, this is the room where I'm holding all the things that I've done to harm myself. And it may be hard to find our way into that room, but then when we get in there, it, it, we can begin to more connect with them. So sometimes some of us have some of those rooms walled off a little bit more. Um, and, and sometimes there may not be as much of that. So, you know, just hold the possibility, you know, not that, oh, it's obvious that, you know, I'm repressing a lot. We don't know. We don't know. You know, so... Um, just, just so hold the possibility. Kind of self-harm is that what? You're, yes, you're thinking. Yes, self-harm. Ways we've harmed ourselves. Yeah. And, and to forgive ourselves. That's right. That. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, thank you. Anything else? So I want to say a few words about the um, sending, expressing kindness to all beings. Um, so. The way that I did it in the guided meditation was to start with the, the easy being, the person for whom it's easiest for you to connect with, and then bring yourself into the equation. 
so that we begin. I mean, often, often the expanding metta to all beings, and classically in the um, the texts, it's talked about as as doing it in a directional fashion. We envision all the beings in the north and try to radiate love out to all the beings that are north of us, and then south of us, and then east and west, and then above and below, and then around and everywhere. Um, so that's the classic way. One of the classic ways of expanding are meta out. And for me, that was just so conceptual. It was so hard. I mean, I did it at one point. I was in Burma, and it's like I envisioned, okay, who's north of here? There's China. China's up there. Okay, China. What might people be doing in China? And I tried to create, you know, images of Chinese families having, you know, little kids running around and, you know, doing their things. You know, so I just, I tried to make it a little bit more specific, and that, that helped me. But it, it just was so, it felt so conceptual to have just this sense of, um, you know, a direction. And so for myself, I, found, I find it helpful to start specific with myself and some other specific people and begin to get the feeling of what it feels like to wish a group of people well. You know, so like I suggested, first the two of you. Can you wish each other well? May we be happy. May we be healthy. Because ultimately the expression of metta for all beings is not excluding yourself. It is a wish. May we all be happy. Not may everybody else be happy and and I don't consider myself. But may we all be happy. So the um, I find the bringing specific people together to be really helpful. And for those of you who've been attending and heard the various categories that we went through, you know, we, we uh, played with sending metta to ourselves, to somebody who's easy, a benefactor, to dear friend, to neutral person, to a difficult person. Another way to begin this exploration to all beings is to bring that group of five together. Start with that group of people, somebody, uh, one person in each of those categories, and try to envision the group of you wishing each other well again. So that brings in... The specific, again, I've said many times that with metta to all beings, sometimes it can feel, sending loving kindness to all beings, sometimes we can uh, have a sense of, yeah, you know, kind of a a space-eye view of the planet. You know, here I am up in, I'm on the moon, and there's the planet down there, and it's like, yeah, wow, that looks pretty vulnerable down there, and I wish the whole planet well. And we can really have a sense of wishing well, for the whole planet and all the beings on the planet. And yet when we get specific and say, well, what about that person? What about that political leader? I don't know. <laughs> so we, we need to, you know, to, to genuinely, without delusion, be able to wish all beings well. We also need to uncover the, the ways that we get caught and stuck around things, and with family, you know, family and friends. You know, initially we might think, yeah, I wish my family well, but then, you know, we remember the ways that they push our buttons. And, and then it's hard to feel that. So to start specifically with that group of five kind of is it's a representative of all the different kinds of beings on the planet, the people that we love, the people for whom it's easy, ourselves, the, our dear friends, people that we don't know very well, and people that are difficult for us. All of those representative categories are there in our minds with those five people. So that can be a way to start. Um, I, yeah, hang on just a sec. I, um, I um, started this time by starting with self and the easy person and then allowing dear friends to join and just allowing anybody. And that's another way to begin to get the sense of wishing well to more beings and then expanding out from there to people we don't know and then to the whole planet. Um, I didn't include difficult people in that scenario. Um, It's helpful to drop some of those in (laughs) as we're expanding out. Um, So that's, 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 for me, it seems like that's the easiest way to begin to get a sense of what it means to wish well for many people at once to be kind of specific. Um, you know, here's, here's my pod of people, and here's more people that can join. Um, then there are other ways to play with it. Um, 
which is as you begin to get a sense of the feeling of metta, as you begin to get a sense of that quality of kindness and well-wishing, which can begin to happen as we explore this practice more and more, as we begin to get a sense of the feeling of metta, we can almost envision the feeling as a field spreading out from us. And this is where that directionality becomes more... um, less conceptual and more almost tangible. That we can almost have the sense of a flowing out of this quality, almost as if it's a pool of metta that's flowing out from us and touching whoever it comes into contact with. That we just envision that radiating sense. And sometimes it feels like we can radiate out to the room. Okay, yeah, I can get a sense of that feeling, that field in the room. And everybody in the room is encompassed by that wish. If that's as far as you can go, play with that. You know, stay with that for a while. So let me get um, him first and then you. Uh, I was going to say, one piece of advice that my brother has given me, to which then I add a certain Buddhist spin on, is he talks about thinking about people who are worse off than you, or suffering more than you are. And then I sort of supplement that with having meta for the people who are suffering much more than I as, uh-huh. as, as enhancing the putting it into perspective. Uh-huh. And I guess the obvious immediate example is uh, I have a mildly contentious relationship with my father, but it's uh, his relationship with his father was dozens and dozens and dozens of times worse. And I'm always uh-huh. uh, trying to remind myself that the conflicts that he and I have is only... Uh, faint echo, uh, small shadow of, yes. of the much more uglier relationship that he had with his. And, and that helps us also to see, you know, the conditionality that's come down the, the path, you know, that, again, you, 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 in acknowledging his suffering with his father, can begin to understand why perhaps he's yeah. reacting, responding this, this way to you. Um, so that, that can definitely help to open our hearts to people, to see where the suffering in others is coming from. And, and, and as in this case, you recognize, yeah, and this isn't as big a deal. You know, so it, it, it's a little, it's almost, that's a little bit of almost forgiveness in there in a way. Sometimes it's easier said than done, but you Absolutely. can work towards doing it. And the other, the other part to point to in what you're, you're um, mentioning is that as you connect with suffering of others. You know, so as you bring into mind people who are worse off than you or having more you know, struggles than you, that are suffering more than you, the open heart that meets that will also... It, it, can, be, it can be a little hard at times to actually feel, oh yeah, may you be happy, when they're in the midst of a really difficult struggle. You know, it, it can be. It, it can feel like you're not acknowledging the truth of their situation to just wish for their happiness. So sometimes it can help to flip the phrase, may you be free of this suffering, you know, so that um, it, it's acknowledging the suffering that's there. Uh, and that's a reflection of the open heart meeting suffering, which is compassion. Thank you. And then um, Catherine. Um, it's just very quickly, I want to say... Um, I have a great deal of gratitude for you offering this uh, help class lesson about metta because I love doing the metta. I just, I feel so much uh, better when I do metta, Uh especially including the large number of people. You know, I do the planet. Because I, I, you know, heck, we do the universe. Yeah, but yeah, do the universe. What I'm learning <laughs> to do is that when I'm, I'll use your phrase, sitting on the moon looking down at the planet, you call it a field. I, I've been calling it a bubble. Uh-huh. That the bubble goes all the way around the planet, but then it comes around and it includes me too. Oh, great. Uh huh. So I just wanted to express my gratitude for. Um, what you're what you're helping us with? So that's all I had to You're say. welcome. I'm glad it's helpful. 
<laughs> so for you, it sounds like it's a doorway. I mean, this is actually something, when I talk to people, uh, especially one-on-one, um, I listen for what's most resonant. And that sounds like a doorway for you. you know, to, to, so do that a lot. Play with the metta a lot. And then what you can begin to do, and this is the, the, one of the pieces I wanted to explore a little bit today too, is the connection of the metta with the mindfulness. Because um, the quality of kindness, the quality of caring, is not just something, I mean, in, in, it's not just something directed towards beings. It also can infuse how we receive experience. And so to, to begin, sometimes people find it helpful to begin a period of practice with metta, to open their heart to that quality of kindness. And then in turning to experience, you know, opening to, and here's my breath, and feeling that breath with kindness. Here's this emotion, feeling that emotion with kindness. So that it, it, they begin to inform each other. And so I'd encourage you to use the metta as a doorway. Sometimes in, in meditation practice, you know, as with, with other things, you know, we think, well, I'm not strong in this area, you know. I'm not very good at uh, weightlifting, so, you know, I need to go into the gym and, you know, do those weights to strengthen my body. We think of working on the areas where we're not strong first. And in mindfulness practice and meditation practice, they all intertwine. All the various areas of mindfulness, of meditation, of compassion, of concentration, it all intertwines. And so starting where you're strong, where it most resonates for you, it's like your doorway into that terrain. So rather than saying, oh, well, I'm good at metta, it's not, I'm not so good at you know, concentrating on my breathing, so that's what I really ought to work on, that's like not honoring your doorway. So honor your doorway. Any other? We have a couple more minutes. Any other comments or questions? This is our last day on Metta. So, yeah. Somebody pass Mary the mic. When you spoke about forgiveness, it seems in the last few years I see forgiveness as the Largest hindrance to relationships. You mean the not inability to forgive? The inability okay. to uh-huh. forgive. Mm-hmm. I've seen it in my own life and in other people's lives. Um, so it's it's a really strong thing that comes to me when I notice that I don't have it, or I'm harboring some stuff. Most of it's current. I've pretty much handled a, a lot of the past. Uh-huh. Uh, then I know I'm off-center. It's just, to me, um, information. It is information, exactly. And, 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 and not, to be, not to be combated with, but more opened to. Oh, yeah, I'm having trouble forgiving this right now. Okay. Right. What's going on? It is information. And I, and I uh, as I say, that's the, sort of the primary thing in my life is to see if that's there, that's mindfulness brings uh, that information to me. But I, um, it's, it's not just one of the things, it's the biggest thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so how are you working with it when you notice that you well, find there's I that think, uh, resistance to forgiveness? I ask for the willingness to be willing. Uh-huh, good. Uh-huh. And... Um, it's not hard, really not very hard anymore. I've lived a long time, and I've had a lot of stuff. And sometimes when I tell my story, people go, oh, gee whiz, that was terrible. Well, it wasn't. My life has been full of blessings and grace. So I think that because I'm more and more aware of that, mm-hmm. then there's not as much to forgive. And I, I have a little difficulty with people who are have their feelings hurt a lot mm-hmm. because, um, and I have my feelings hurt, but um, 
I, I, I want to let go of it right away, really. I want to let go of it. And, and it isn't even hardly enough to be, need forgiveness. It's so sometimes the little petty things that give disturbance to my life are so self-centered that... And sometimes reflecting on um, the preciousness of human life can help us to forgive as well. You know that at any moment, at any moment, any one of us could get in a car accident, could be struck with a serious illness, could have a heart attack. I mean, it, it, it's even, even the very young, this is possible. I mean, sometimes I look at the obituaries and I can mm. particularly notice the, the age, you know. And, and, and I get this thing from my, my alma mater, my college, and they have the list of deaths of all the people, and they have them listed by year, you know. And there's always a bunch of people, of course, who graduated years before me that have died, but there's also a bunch of people that graduated last year, you know, 21-year-olds. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, to really connect with that preciousness. Like, it's... Uh, um, as we connect with that, there's a, the, the Dhammapada, some, a saying in the Dhammapada, and this will be the last thing since it's 11. Um, uh, this is paraphrased. It's, it's roughly what it says. Few here realize that we must die. Those who realize this, quarrel cease. That, you know, just that, that acknowledgement of, yeah, the fragility of human life really helps us to put things into perspective. It's like, is this petty thing really worth holding on to in the face of the fact that my next moment may be my last? And to really take in that teaching on the fragility, the vulnerability of our lives. So thank you all. Next week we'll talk about, we'll go back to the Eightfold Path. This, this is the end of a long series on wise effort, if you don't remember. <laughs> I remember we're talking about cultivating the wholesome, letting go of the unwholesome. So we've been cultivating the wholesome for a number of weeks. And next week we'll talk about wise mindfulness. And who knows how long we'll talk about wise mindfulness. (laughs) Thank you all.